Welcome back to the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. It is a Monday, February the 26th. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, alongside team expert Jimmy Stein. And then, of course, right there below us, site publisher Tim Watts. And guys, no shortage of topics on this Monday morning. We'll get into some advanced scouting of spring practice coming up here before you know it at the University of Alabama. We'll talk about some veterans, some returning veterans for this Alabama football team set to make an impact in year one under Kalen DeBoer. We'll talk some Alabama men's hoops. The sun did rise on Coleman Coliseum Sunday morning. Jimmy can attest to that. We can get a firsthand account of that from Jimmy Stein. We'll talk about what's next for Nate Oates' team following a 117-95 blowout loss at the hands of the Kentucky Wildcats. We'll get into your comments here, too, because we are live right here on YouTube. And we'll check in with Andrew Bone. Does an outstanding job as our senior recruiting editor for BamaOnline.com. We'll talk some recruiting with both Andrew and Tim coming up just a little bit later. But guys, I guess we'll start with hoops and the after effects, perhaps, for this team. Although, Jimmy and Tim, what we've seen after losses like this kind of loss, go back to the Tennessee loss on the road earlier in the season, bounce back at home. A little bit different this time around, though, because you stay on the road with a game against an Ole Miss team that, let's be honest, not going to attract a lot of attention right now, struggling a little bit in year one under Chris Beard. Uh, what's most important for this team right now, Tim? You know, I think you just learn from being humbled, right? I mean, we discussed this last week. What do we say? You run it, which Kentucky you're running into? The one that's six weeks away from being full of millionaires and almost like, hey, the regular season's tough for us to finish. Let's focus on the NCAA and SEC tournament or a pissed off Kentucky team. I mean, talent's never been the issue. I mean, they've got two or three guys that will be mentioned in the lottery. They've got two or three more guys that will be mentioned in the first round. Great class, unbelievable talent. So we knew how talented they were. And you come out and catch that buzzsaw, don't defend well. They're on fire. So you've got, you know, regardless of who you play, if they're on fire and you're not defending well, you're in big, big trouble. And, again, putting it at Rupp, I think they'd lost three of their last four. And had absolutely been embarrassed at LSU with that loss. Absolutely cakewalked through that game. I think they scored 49 points. So, obviously, we now know you got the pissed-off Kentucky team that's super talented. And, um, you know, with basketball, I think there's a thought process that you never want to get too high. You want to get humbled from time to time. And I think that happened to Alabama. And, uh, again, we knew this was a possibility because we knew you really wanted to hold serve at home against Florida which they did, if they had not won that game in overtime, this would be much more somber this morning. So, Jimmy, if I'm a Kentucky fan, I might be a little bit frustrated on this Monday morning because I'm thinking, you know, this is the talented team that we were thinking could be a Final Four team at some point down the road. Who knows? Maybe, maybe this is the better approach for Cal. This is going to be – Probably unless Kentucky really turns it on from here, which could happen. Uh, this is a Kentucky team that going in the NCAA tournament is going to have a bit of an underachiever tag. And, you know, maybe that's the formula for Kentucky. But you still sense the frustration from Nate, too, right, with the defensive effort. I'm not yeah. saying he's at the point of throwing his hands up in the air and saying this is who we are defensively, like some of us have said since really December. Um but it's still obviously very much stuck in his crawl following last Saturday. 
Yeah, you kind of are what you are at this point, right? I mean, I, I don't think all of a sudden Alabama's going to wake up in Oxford uh, Wednesday and find uh, that they're all of a sudden uh, one of the better defensive teams in the league. I mean, you are what you are at this point in the season. I think really a lot of it is just personnel. You know, you rebuild your roster every year. You got a new team every year. And if you look at the, the regulars, the guys who play a lot of minutes, I mean, who's described by uh, experts as a plus defender? who's really good on defense. Maybe Rylan Griffin, you know, he's got some great length, you know, on the perimeter. But uh, what other Alabama player is as a plus defender? Grant Nelson often has a, a mismatch issue when he's with a bigger-bodied guy. He's trying to guard down low. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to call Nick Pringle a great defender. Uh, even Mark Sears has gotten uh, publicly scolded by, by Nate Oates uh, for, his, for his defense at times. Uh, Estrada again, not not a superb defender. I think it's just kind of the kind of the cards you draw from year to year these days. I mean, you're not going to go out and 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 just prioritize. Hey, I'm going to go out and recruit shutdown defenders that average nine points a game. I mean, no, you're going to recruit scorers and then hope that their athleticism uh, is something you can work with in terms of making them plus defenders. Nate has had some outstanding defenses in the past. I think this is just sort of a team that was just never going to be great defensively. And what great coaches do, guys, is they coach around that. They play around it. Alabama has to play around what they have. Everyone has deficiencies. Even UConn, who I think may win the national title, they, they lost you know, pr pretty badly to Creighton. Uh, everyone has flaws now. Uh, there, there are no dynasties out there. You know what makes playing defense even tougher, Tim, when you're turning it over live ball situations? Yeah. Alabama outscored 29 to 10 by the Cats on Saturday. Team that already struggles to to guard. And you, you get a team that's talented and like you, it wants to push it. You know, I asked a question a week or so ago. Does do Florida and Kentucky really think they want to get into a game in the 90s? Maybe the the hundreds with this Alabama team. Well, Kentucky answered that question. Yeah, we're we're good with that, especially uh, when you got people shooting it as well as the Cats did. But you can't mix in turnovers, live ball turnovers, when you're already struggling on the defensive end because that's going to complicate matters quite a bit. Yeah, and I mean, you look. I mean, you look at everything with that team, and I mean, coming out again, Kentucky hits on their strides. You're already behind the eight ball and you're on the road. So you already have it against you. But, um, I, you know, I do feel like Reitzel not playing was a big miss. You know, I think Sam was a little bit less comfortable on the road than he was at home. Still going to be a terrific player. But I'll tell you this. I've watched this team. First of all, I think in the middle of the year, most of us realized this is not from a talent standpoint. It's not even close to the most talented team in the SEC, right? I mean, a lot of these guys, it almost had a really good mid-major feel to it this year, not as many stars, especially coming off the heels of what we saw last year, right? We had superstars on that team. You had really good players. You had all that stuff going for you. So I think when you look at this team now, they are kind of are what you are. I enjoy them. I would much rather this team be able to score and have to outscore an opponent than for us to be playing 50 to 49 and trying to hold on for dear life and milk it out. I enjoy this team. Even the run at the end of the game. I had fun watching them. They can shoot, but you're not going to go to uh, mid-major type programs in the portal and find guys shooting 43% from three and slapping the floor, you know, like Gary the Glove Payton. 
you know, those guys, most of the guys that shoot threes, like would you call Steph Curry a great defender? No, he spends all his time shooting. He ain't doing the old the old defensive shuffle up and down the up and down the floor like you used to have to. So, but I mean, obviously, this is a team like Jimmy said that has work to do. And you said not a perfect team, but I've really enjoyed them. I actually consider them overachievers at this point in the season. Yeah, we've never we've never made the statement that we thought this was a championship team. I haven't anyway throughout the course of the season. What we have said time and time again. Fun as hell to watch. And that continues to be the case. And I'm with you, Tim. If 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 I'm going to watch a basketball team or any team really throughout the course of the season to keep me captivated, I'm as guilty as the next person. And I take pride in being a big charge take fan and grit and slapping the floor and all that stuff. But hell, who doesn't love watching the ball go through the net on a consistent basis? So Jimmy, when you think about what's coming up in these next two games, Ole Miss on the road, Tennessee back in Tuscaloosa should be uh, incredible atmosphere for Saturday. College game day coming to town for the first time for basketball with ESPN. But when I ask you about difficulty of these next two games, uh, is it Tennessee at home before you talk about Ole Miss on the road? Because South Carolina went into Oxford over the weekend and kind of just took took down the the home standing rebels pretty easily um Ole Miss struggles to score on a consistent basis uh coming off a loss like Kentucky you worried about the psyche of this team or is being a top tied for the top of the SEC standings you think enough knowing Tennessee's down the road but that in and of itself could present some dangers with the trip to Oxford on Wednesday night how do you look at these next two in terms of readiness for this Alabama team? I think they're catching Ole Miss at a good time. I mean, this is a little bit of good schedule luck here. I think, you know, playing Ole Miss on the road uh, this week feels a little different than had you played them on the road in January, I think, you know, when they were probably playing their best basketball of the year. Uh, I think the Tennessee game is even going to be a little tougher for Alabama because of the matchup. I think that's a difficult matchup for Alabama. Ole Miss is a better matchup. Uh, Alabama doesn't have to score 100 to beat Ole Miss, but but scoring in the 80s might do it. And uh, and you would think Alabama could do that on, on cruise control. Uh, and Alabama should be more of the pissed-off Alabama, just like we saw pissed-off Kentucky on Saturday. This should be an Alabama team wanting to prove itself all over again. And while I agree uh, totally with you guys about how we have never all season described this team as a championship basketball team, I think – I think you're a two and O week away from, from we need to start describing them that, but that, that they have to go two and O this week. I, I don't think one and one is going to win the sec, uh, but two and O this week, it, it might, it might, they might be a championship team. This is their prove it or don't uh, week in terms of that sec crown, both games tough. I worry about the Tennessee matchup. I worry that Ole Miss is on the road, but I think the Tennessee game is tougher to me. Uh, as you guys know, I always talk about dudes, Tennessee's got dudes that, that I'm going to worry about. Uh, I think Ole Miss is difficult because they're extremely well coached uh, and it's on the road. One Tim, thing, to, one thing ahead, to consider, Tim. though, is I do not think we're going to see the Flanagan kid. Have y'all yeah. seen the mm-hmm. MMA elbow to the chin? I mean, yeah. perfectly timed, lined up, pop. I mean, he's yeah. going to be suspended for sure. Why he um, got a game, you got to think he's getting a game, right? Oh, I think he might. I mean, I don't get more. You know, I'm not going to guess. I mean, this is one of – I mean, what Wagyu did was in slow motion, it, or, or I'm not sure we even notice it, right? 
this was the whole world live was all over my Twitter feed at one point. I thought he yeah. did it eight times. I don't think Wagee's was even called a foul. Yes, what I'm Correct. saying. It happened. Yeah. It was sort of in the scrum. It fell down. It was the old boom on, you know, type of deal. You got him. Yeah. But we had to go in slow motion to really get a good view of this. This was full court. You could have been in fast motion when we saw this thing. So I think that this is going to be a I mean, I'm I hate to guess what the NCAA or SEC will do, but I think it's a heavy suspension. I mean, also Ole Miss has lost five of their last six games. Um had such a girl early start. I agree with Jimmy that we are catching them at the right time because they're a little bit more. That'll be deflating. That's going to be the subject all week. So, of course, I think Tennessee's the toughest game. And Tennessee has Auburn this week, right? Same Wednesday night early, you get uh, Tennessee hosting Auburn. And then the nightcap of those four games, uh, you're going to have Alabama at Ole Miss. So, we're going to learn a lot. And even South Carolina playing Wednesday night, hanging in there. You know, I had South Carolina as a fader after a couple of those Same. losses here recently. Yeah. But kudos to those guys. I mean, we've we talked about Ole Miss struggling, but still, that's the kind of game, if you are circling the drain, you go to Oxford and lose last Saturday. And instead, the Gamecocks kept themselves relative to the SEC championship discussion. Either way, these four final games for Alabama, you got to beat Tennessee, I think. You know, you could maybe go two and two and 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 – and get a share. Um, but one of those has to be Tennessee and you might need to go three and one probably do need to go three and one. And one of those still will need to be Tennessee. You know, the thing Um, about Tennessee that's rather amazing in a bad way for them is they go Auburn, Bama, South Carolina and Kentucky. Yeah. That's their closeout. They've got Alabama and South Carolina on the road, which is probably the worst case scenario for them. Because at home, they probably would have been a pretty big favorite. Um, but again, I mean, they're <laughs> – I looked at Alabama's schedule. I said, this is going to be hard. And then I looked at Tennessee's and was like, wow, if they win this division, I mean, if they win this conference, Tennessee's a 1,000% earned it because they did it the hardest way possible these last four games. But I agree. You lose – that Tennessee game's huge because it's head-to-head. You know, it's head-to-head. That's a one-game swap right there. Guys, let's get into some football discussion as we get ready for the start of 2024 spring drills. The first time under Kalen DeBoer as head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's just going to take, it's going to take a little bit of getting used to, isn't it? And from what I understand, at least, even the practice format, the routine, you know, the availability of players and coaches, coordinators where the media is concerned. It's going to be a little bit of a shock to the system, but we look forward to it as well. Something we also tend to do any spring, it seems like, is we get really excited about either early enrollees and or guys that we didn't see much of the previous season. See how much improvement maybe they've made after their first seasons on campus. And as a result, we forget about some veterans. You know, we look at some positions, guys, like, Well, outside linebacker, because you had that monster signing class in 2023 in terms of edge defenders. Uh, We look at even offensive tackle because we saw a guy a year ago have a great shot to jump in there and win a job, and it didn't necessarily work out. He's still around. Um, And then, you know, some other places as well, maybe even running back a little bit. And I talk about Jam Miller, I guess, guys, Tim, as a veteran, 
he's only going into his third year in the program, but in today's college football, if you keep a guy going into his third year, you better damn well believe in my book anyway, Tim, he's a vet. Yeah. Yeah. And he seems like he's been around forever, right? We always get little glimpses of, of Miller. Um, I loved him this past year catching balls out of the backfield, right? I mean, he is a, he's a moving tank when you hit him in stride. Um, I do think that he's a guy that, that has a chance. I mean, again, we're, to, we always want to focus on our shiny toys. You're right. We want to focus, but then again, you know, justice had a whole year in the system. Richard had a whole year in the system. We got two pretty good freshmen coming in in this group. So yeah, I think jam's going to get the early load, but I mean, obviously it's going to, it's going to be hard to keep other guys off the field, but I think he could sort of take over. He reminds me of Jace in a lot of ways, except I think he's faster and he's been more durable up to this point. Jimmy, it's interesting because size-wise, you look at Jam Miller and Justice Haynes, uh, very similar, but I think Tim just hit on it. Stylistically, even in that na- in that national championship semifinal Rose Bowl game against Michigan, it was on display. Alabama needed it on a third and four there in the fourth quarter. Gets the ball to Jam on the perimeter. He makes good on it. But throughout that game, I thought we saw sort of a savviness and a maturity beyond his years as far as working between the tackles, patience, instincts, anticipation. And as Tim said, maybe not quite the burst of Jam Miller, but Justice Haynes, it's a nice mix, really. Uh, Once you get past the measurables, these are two guys that can help the offense in some, some ways the same. But in other ways, uh, they've got their own stamp on the position. Yeah, they're more similar than different. They're, they're similar backs to me, Jam and, and Justice, similar even in talent level to me, similar. But if I was going to say the biggest difference, uh, and it's really more minute, but the biggest difference to me is when you, when you hand them the ball or pitch them the ball and there's a defender uh, between them and the goal line, it seems to me that Jam's the kind of guy that cuts inside because he, he'll run through traffic. He ain't afraid of it. He'll put his head down, run inside, whereas Justice is almost always going to bounce that outside and use his uh, incredible uh, quickness and shiftiness. So Justice a little bit more shifty, a little bit more bouncy. I think Jam a little tougher inside. But really, they're they're more carbon copies than, than different. But it's nice to have both. Uh, you can never have enough. I, I think, look, Jason and Roy Dell were good players. They're good. Uh, Jace is going to be selected in the NFL draft. He'll be on on your TV screen this week at the NFL Combine, and I think Roy Dell will have a good year at Florida State. Uh, they're good players. I, I think Jam and Justice can be great players. Now, they need a lot of help. Running backs need blocking. They need the, the threat of a pass game. They need a, a lot of things to go right around them. But Alabama lost their top two backs, and in my mind has improved because I see more talent in, in Justice and Jam. And uh, I, I think this offense is going to treat them well. I'm really excited about uh, what I've been calling the Jam and Justice show. Tim, what about Elijah Pritchett? Too soon to just assume he's been placed on the scrap heap and moving on to one of these younger players, maybe reevaluating some guys who have played more on the inside in the last year or two and perhaps giving them a shot at tackle? Or do you think there's still a window? You know, you don't get many second windows at a place like Alabama to win a job. Uh, but it looks like that's what's in front of Elijah right now. Yeah. I think, you know, this is a whole different offensive line philosophy. So where you had guys like 
Wilkham Formby, who was considered too light to play for Alabama, right? Well, now this is a totally different offensive line mindset. So he might be exactly where they want to go. You know, I've said this all year. Just because we don't know who it is don't mean he's not on campus, right? I mean, Proctor was a really good offensive tackle. Um, and J.C. Latham was. Proctor was a really promising freshman. So they had their guys locking up the, the edges there. Other guys didn't get a whole lot of chance to play. But, yeah, with Pritchett, they liked him enough that he was a starting left tackle in spring practice. I understand it went bad. I understand it didn't, went, didn't go well and all that stuff. But he earned enough. They saw enough in practice that he did enough to get to that starting position. Now, didn't translate on the field. He's got another year, new coaches to be in his ear. Also, remember, he hit the portal, and they pulled him back out. They went and talked to him. That was an easy chance. When you want somebody to go, you just say, hey, best of luck to you. They obviously saw something saving staff. I find it hard to believe the new staff looks at him and goes, no, nah, this guy can't play, right? I mean, you've seen Elijah Pritchard in a uniform. You're absolutely saying, holy crap, this guy can play. So, you know, I think he's one of the guys we're going to see the most of in the spring. One of those guys that's going to get, like you said, a second audition even though it'll be a first impression, but it's going to be a second audition. So I still think he's got a chance to get in there. I mean, loved him out of high school. He's a big kid. He's highly recruited. And I do know this, when his name kind of went in the portal, didn't actually go in the portal. It was announced he was in, expected to go in the portal. There was a ton of interest in Pritchett. So it's not like it's only Alabama that wanted to keep him on campus. Yeah, Pritchett, I could have imagined that Florida State with about half of the rest of the guys yes. off Alabama's roster Absolutely. that headed to Tallahassee. So, they were definitely a school interested. Yeah, yeah, that 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 would have made some sense there had he actually taken that route. Now, you know, we've even talked about this, Jimmy, at wide receiver because maybe in, in relation to Kendrick Law, who, again, as a third-year player, I'm going ahead and calling him a vet. And I'm going to do the same with another guy at that position. What about Kobe Prentice? You know, this is a guy that with Isaiah Bond, especially last season, taking that next step, it seemed like it came at least somewhat at the expense of Kobe Prentice. Is there is there a path for Kobe uh, to become a more significant contributor? Because you bring in Jeremy Bernard, you're expecting Jalen Hale to take a step up. Uh, Ryan Williams, we all know what's coming down the pike with that talented wide receiver a talented wide receiver class in general that Alabama was able to sign. But what are you thinking for maybe Kobe Prentice and, you know, even Emmanuel Henderson, some of these other guys? Yeah. Kobe's the uh, go-to guy for me. Anytime I'm asked, okay, who, who on this offense uh, do you see taking a huge step forward due to the coaching change, due to the scheme change? What, what veteran is going to look like a new kid to me, it's Kobe uh, who's been a good player. I, I think some Alabama fans might be shocked at his, overall production over two years. He's caught more balls than any other Alabama receiver uh, on the roster. I think Jeremy Bernard has a few more balls. Of course, he was at Michigan State and Washington. But uh, I, I think this new scheme's good for Kobe, uh, more of a spread, more of a uh, put more receivers in routes. Uh, Kobe's got experience now. He, he's, a, he's a veteran, I think, by any definition. Uh, and this is the right offense for him. He's also going to have an improved quarterback. I know this isn't going to be the quarterback show, and we got time to do 30 of those before next fall. But, uh, you know, I think Alabama's going to have improved quarterback play one way or the other. Uh, and, and Milrow is likely, in particular, I think, to really improve as a passer under this staff and in this scheme. 
And, and I think that means a lot more balls for a guy like Kobe Prentice. I, I'm excited about Kobe. I think he can be one of the more productive wide receivers, not just at Alabama, but in this league in terms of being a volume receiver. I don't know how many huge plays. I don't know how many 70-yard touchdown passes you're going to get, but I can see Kobe with a lot of receptions in this new offense, and uh, he's dependable. That's the best way to describe him. We got a comment from a viewer here uh, before we get into that with uh, Tim Watts. We want to remind you, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, we certainly hope you would take the time to do that right now. Hit that subscription button, please. Hit the like button while you're at it. Turn on those notifications. You'll get all of our video content from BamaOnline.com as it drops right here on the YouTube home for BOL. So Stephen Burton here viewing, and we appreciate you doing that, Stephen. He chimes in. Tim, he says Ryan Williams missing spring has to hurt him, and he is already so young. Is it a real possibility of Ryan Williams playing, seeing the field in 2024. I think I know your answer to this, and that's why I'm going to also ask you the sense of urgency for a guy like Kobe Prentice and some of these other wide receivers this spring to make an impact, to make your mark, because I think I know what you're going to say about Ryan Williams. Yeah, I just, don't, I just don't think you can keep Ryan off the field. I mean, I get the spring certainly hurts, but we've seen guys, uh, Malachi Moore, for instance, we've seen – you know, this wasn't everybody didn't always enroll early. We used to celebrate the five or six like, hey, they've got five December enrollees, January enrollees. Then it turned to like 11, 17. Where are we up to 18? Now we're like looking sideways at the guys that didn't make it. Sometimes we're wondering what's wrong with you. But Ryan's just so talented. I get it. He's got legitimate points. Ryan's a smaller guy. He's going to turn 17 years old in February. He's going to play the season at February. Uh, at 17, um, but he's got so much talent. I mean, he's so fast. He's a route runner. He's built different. Mentally, he's strong. He loves this. I have no doubt that Ryan enters Tuscaloosa this summer knowing the playbook inside and out. I have no doubt that he is on the phone with Shep a good bit. If I'm Shep, I'm calling him a good bit and working him in because you've got plans for him, right? So I think from that standpoint, I think Kobe has to worry about Ryan. I think Ryan's a different animal. Than Kobe, you know what I mean? They're the same position technically by wide receiver, but they're going to do two different things. I believe Kobe, like Jimmy said, is going to be more of that guy across the middle. And Kobe's had Inside. a great story. And, you know, last year you kind of felt like Jalen Milrow had two guys when when it when, when there was pressure, right? It was Burton, just throw it deep, or he threw it deep to Bonds. But Kobe, I mean, Kobe had more yards per catch, even though a lot less catches than, than uh, Isaiah did. So – um, I do think he can be durable, like Jimmy said, across the middle, a guy that's going to do that stuff. And they got Jeremy, and they're going to have Ryan. And I still think Jalen Hill's a guy to really watch because he's too talented. He's too talented for a coaching staff not to get unbelievably excited about him. Yeah, I think Bernard's the guy that it could impact Kobe the most because I see that's, them positionally being maybe a little more similar, maybe Kendrick Law too uh, in that sort of mix. And then you got – true outside guys to me Jalen Hale is a true outside guy Ryan Williams is going to be an outside yeah. guy so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out but first we got to get through spring drills uh before we let you go here Jimmy Stein and we uh, welcome Andrew Bowen onto the program I'm going to give you one more guy on the offensive side that I consider a vet at this point and that's Ty Simpson going into yeah. his <laughs> third year in the program 
Uh, are you sleeping, Tim Watts, on Ty Simpson and the possibility of him being a bigger impact guy than maybe a backup in 2024? No, I think he'll be competitive. I mean, again, you get a whole new coaching staff. You get everyone that's wide open so you can look at um, everything from a – these are a fresh set of eyes, right? There's no person – they don't know what Ty Simpson's looked like the last two years in practice. They don't know what Dylan's looked like the last two years in practice. Same for Jalen, although Jalen's got that advantage because they do know exactly what they're getting. Haven't seen him on film so much, but no, I think Simpson's a guy. I mean, he's a guy we feel he can pass the ball. Well, he's a very underrated athlete. You know what I mean? So a lot of things there you have to like, I mean, obviously I think Jalen's the, you know, going in as quarterback one, but I do think you get a whole new coaching staff. I think that could be opened up a little bit more. Was it a good thing, Jimmy Stein? Uh, is it a positive? Is Ty Simpson a beneficiary of change with this coaching change, you think? And where do you have him at on your radar in terms of legitimacy and being able to compete perhaps as early as this spring? I think he is a beneficiary of the change in the sense that everyone's starting from square one. And I think with Ty's history, I mean, in terms of a growing up in a coach's home, uh, I think if everyone has to learn a new offense quickly, maybe Ty's your guy. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that Ty's been around it so much, I don't think any terminology, uh, any any new routes, any new th th this new offense is going to be something that Ty's probably going to pick up on uh, as quickly as anyone, just with his history of, of growing up with a dad who was a, a college quarterback and and a, and a college coach. So uh, in that sense, I do think Ty's a beneficiary. I also think. Uh, as I talked about yesterday on the roundtable, Ty was a different quarterback at the end of last year. If you look at his numbers over his last two appearances versus numbers in the first six or seven appearances, much improved. Uh, I think the light sort of came on for him. And uh, while I agree with Tim totally that Jalen Milrose the deserved QB1, and I think Jalen Milrow takes the first snaps, whether you're talking about in practice or, frankly, in, in, the, in the games this fall, one big difference. Last year when Jalen was sat because it wasn't going so well, Ty Simpson wasn't ready to take the job from him. Uh, I, my, my advice to Jalen is don't get sat again because I think this year Ty, Ty's not going to give up the job that easily uh, if he gets a chance. I, I think it's a Ty that's just more ready. And, uh, and he is in year three, which makes him a veteran in, in today's game. There you go. There are some offensive vets that you best not sleep on for the 2024 season as we get ready for the start of spring drills at the capstone. We're going to go quad box. How about that? There's Andrew Bone. Good morning, Andrew. Morning, guys. Guess y'all started again, out. Once again, Tim, he rubs the on three merch right in our faces that the rest of us have yet to receive. <laughs> but, you know. I'm waiting, that, I'm waiting on that hat. I think he stole that from Joseph. I don't think we gave it to Andrew. I think he stole it from Joseph. You we, know got that, crazy? we got that hat giveaway coming up. Yeah, mm. we got to start hyping that. They'll be excited. I got a few guys. Hype that the I wish, hat. I really Hashtag. wish we could put them in a in a cage and let them fight for it. I got a few friends <laughs> on that board that'll they'll, they'll cut some Achilles to get hold of it. Oh, it's amazing. It really I, looks amazing the number of people who've reached out to me that have asked. Hey, we're no, it's annoying. Yeah, 
It's annoying. It's like I got them in my pocket. Hey, send I love me a it. hat. That's why I keep That's... getting new ones because I know it drives Tim just absolutely crazy. I tell my friends who ask, I wouldn't get them for my kids. They're $100. <laughs> All right. So I'm damn sure not getting them for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tim Watts. Hey, Jimmy, man. Thanks for jumping in this morning. Always appreciate your input. Good stuff, as always. Be sure to check out Jimmy with us right there on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Jimmy, look forward to doing it again real soon. Looking forward to it, guys. There you See go. You, See you. Alabama team expert, Jimmy Stein. There we go. We got the triple box now. I was hoping we were kicking Tim out. Well, I, I, you know, these buttons, you got me hitting these buttons. You never know what you're going to get over here. You never know. Hey, but Andrew, we're talking some vets first. We're going to get into some recruiting, obviously, with you and Tim coming up here in just a little bit. But wanted to hit on the defensive side, too. We went over the offensive side with Jimmy, but defensively, some veterans on this team. And we actually uh, – John Hash here in the comments. A viewer, we appreciate the input. John, do you guys think Q-Rob can be a third down player? He will have a role, in my opinion, but he has too much talent behind him to hold them off. So we mentioned this a little bit ago. Outside linebacker, because of those 2023 signees, specifically Andrew. But you do bring back Q Robinson. Hell of a special teams player. Been a situational player. Different defensive scheme coming in, though, with Kane Womack. Keanu Coote, I think, falls into that category as well as a program veteran. So what do you think about that, Andrew, as we get you going? Yeah, I mean, you know, Q, uh, he's been in the program for the last couple of years. I think he's uh, you know, obviously understood the uh, the previous defense pretty well. But, you know, this is a guy that, you know, decided to stick around. You know, he, he wants to, uh, you know, have an opportunity to play. I think he is going to have that opportunity. Uh, you know, we've seen him be dynamic on special teams. Um, I know that uh, he had one special teams mistake a few years ago, but uh, people you know, tried to hang up on that. But he was great last season when he had his opportunities, especially on special teams. But then, you know, later part of the year, you know, we saw him getting in on the field uh, a pretty good bit. Uh, and I think he's going to have certainly an opportunity to, uh, to make an impact this year with this new staff. Tim, you're a big Quay Rousseau guy. I mean, we talk about him a lot here on the program to go along with Keon Keeley and Yonze Pierre from that 2023 cycle. But what about Q? Man, I love this guy. Just, and, and I think Andrew's right, he is produced. You know, he did add the fumble recovery on special teams against Michigan. That sort of made up for the miscue, the mishap more so than anything against Tennessee a couple of years ago because that that was a brutal brutal punt that would have hit a lot of guys and then yeah. he kind of lost his bearings a little bit pick touches the ball you know we get it it was a tough one for him uh but is there is there an opportunity still for these veterans at edge or is it going to be more about the young guys i think there is because he's like you know he's a guy I'd consider like a stick em. you know what i mean find the ball get the ball he's a guy that you can put in there and send him straight at the quarterback you know he's got that He's, uh, you know, he's built like an NFL running back. I mean, I think it's partly because of the number he's worn. But, yeah, he's a straight-line guy that can get in there. He's very physical, and uh, he likes to hit you. So, yeah, you got to roll for that guy where it's just as simple as on the snap, beat him and get there. And we saw him do that in the spring several times. We've seen him do it. I think he had a couple sacks this year, I feel like, um, that I remember. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's a guy. I mean, you're going to – the thing that you most successful teams on that front – that front seven on that attacking line, the way that Kane Womack seems to want to attack, 
you're going to have to rest guys and rotate them in. I think that's one of the good things that benefits Quay, Keon, Pierre. If it benefits them, I think it also benefits Q to get in there and, and chase a quarterback down. I would ask about some vets in the secondary, but there aren't any, right? I mean, so yeah, there's not. Yeah, we don't really not. need to to hit on that too much. But the defensive line, and it's a guy that one of the guys anyway that I think is going to go into spring in all likelihood, I would think, as a first team guy, is Tim Smith, and he's had opportunities. It's not that he hasn't played a lot of football. I guess this is more in relation, Andrew, to the production stepping up to that level that we kind of all expected from Tim Smith to this point in his career, maybe a Justin, a be like finish to his time in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what he's going to be able to do this upcoming season because he's had those moments uh, where you're like, wow, uh, he's, you know, is one of those unique players on the defensive line, the way that he can move you know, his size, his physicality. Um, can he be consistent you know, every single time he steps out onto the field? I think that's the biggest thing with, with Tim Smith is just consistency and um, you know, playing up to uh, playing up to his level every single week. And, uh, you know, cause he's a, I mean, he's a, like I said, a unique player. He's got a lot of talent. Um, he just got to be more consistent. And you know, if he can put it together this season, there's no doubt that he could potentially be a first, second round type player, but he's just got to be consistent. What do you What are you looking for out of Tim Smith, Tim, or maybe another veteran or two up front? You know, I'm looking. You know, with Tim, I quarter. You remember Jeff Blauser for the Braves? Shortstop. That dude in four. every every contract year, he hit 500, 40 <laughs> home runs, and stole 60 bases. Every other year of that contract, Jeff was pretty average. So I think that contract year, and we've seen it a lot because that's what it is for Tim Smith, right? This is a year, couldn't go this year where you wanted to. Got the NFL makeup. You know what I mean? Physically, you've got a lot of things that NFL teams are going to like. Um, I think he's going to test fairly well, but you got to put that film on paper. This is a different style defensive line, maybe not as comfortable in, in the previous defensive scheme so there's no excuses this year I mean that's a guy they're going to have to build around I mean you obviously you got Otis you got Tim you got guys coming back we got the young guys with Renard I know you and I've talked about him a lot still heard great things about him last year um I think he factored in some other guys leaving that he was doing some well and Edric Hill so a couple of guys that were considered sleepers or diamonds in the rough were turning out to be actually pretty good, you know, players, you know, get have that potential. So I expect a big year for Tim. I expect this to be the motivation year where you come into shape, come in in shape, and you come in with a purpose to say, hey, you know, I was a I was a highly recruited guy for a reason. Yeah, the good news for Freddie Roach is that if we use the third year designation as vet qualifying for this, he's got a handful of guys. I mean, Damon Payne, kind of fits into that yeah. mold. Tim Keenan, Jaheim Otis, they really have those type of guys across that defensive front moving into the 2024 season. So we've got the two together. You know, we've got Andrew Bone. We've got Tim Watts together here on the program. So we would be absolutely remiss if we didn't at least hit on recruiting. And I know it's been pretty quiet in February after the late signing period. You did have some portal movement as it continued on following Jim Harbaugh moving on to the National Football League from Michigan, Alabama, beneficiary of that with Keon Sab. But 
different feel, right, guys, going into March. Things start to percolate. Things start to pick up. So, Andrew, what do we need to be sort of tuned into here first as we transition from February into March? Well, the dead period ends. Uh, dead period ends next week. Um, you know, we're going to start seeing recruits visit campus again uh, starting, I believe, on March the 4th, first day that we're going to start seeing recruits on campus. Uh, and that will go into uh, you know, next weekend. I think March the 8th is the big day that we're going to see a lot of recruits on campus. Uh, yeah, Juju Lewis, um, public knowledge, uh, five-star quarterback committed to USC. He's going to be on campus next Friday. And there's a lot of other kids. Uh, you can go to Bama online to see the complete list of players that will be on campus next week from the, uh, from the 4th through the, uh, through the 8th. So it's going to be a pretty busy uh, week for the Crimson Tide with, uh, with kids coming on campus. But we've also been seeing a lot of new offers. I, mean, I think last week um, we saw four offers later, the later part of the week from Thursday and Friday. Um, kids are still being evaluated by the staff. Uh, you know, it's really about getting these kids on campus, kids that haven't visited yet and haven't sat down with the new coaching staff, you know, try to get these guys on campus and evaluate them. Um, you know, from a personal standpoint, uh, from a mental standpoint, you know, sit down with them in the film room, kind of pick their brain a little bit, see if these are guys that uh, fit your program, or, and they, these are going to be guys that you're going to want to bring in uh, for official visits down the road. And we're already, we're already starting to see a few players announce official visit dates. Not many, uh, but a couple have already told us that they're going to be in town uh, in the month of June. So we'll start seeing more official visits uh, confirmed over the next couple of weeks, couple of months. Uh, it's it's really about to kick off, though. I mean, we always talk about how uh, how dead it is in the month of February, and that's just kind of been uh, you know, consistent for the last uh, you know 17, 18 years. Uh, just not a lot happening besides coaches evaluating players. But what we've seen with this new staff, we've started to see uh, you know more offers extended, you know, more conversations. Uh, Coach DeBoer has been really active, um, you know, talking to a lot of kids on the phone. Um, probably more so than Coach Saban was uh, at this point uh, the last several years. But uh, this staff's getting after it. Uh, I think they're doing – you know, Tim mentioned this on the uh, on the BOL roundtable yesterday uh, that he's been really impressed with a lot of these evaluations because a lot of these kids aren't ranked. Uh, they might be West Coast kids that haven't gone out and gotten seen by, uh, you know, uh, by evaluators and things like that. But – Staff's doing really good as far as evaluating kids, bringing guys on campus, and uh, I think uh, you know, we're going to see that with the uh, with the updated rankings here pretty soon. Hey, Tim, give me, if there are any, some noticeable differences maybe already that you've detected between this staff and Nick Saban in his 17 years on the job. Understanding it's been pretty quiet by rules uh, and NCAA bylaws anyway, but is there a thing or two uh, that you've noticed that, hey, this, this is a little bit different? Yeah, I think the first thing that jumps out of you for you is the offensive linemen they're recruiting. I mean, obviously, I mean, Jackson Lloyd, let's, you know, speaking like Andrew said, I love the evaluations. I love this. This is what I used to love with the Saban staff is, you know, the Bama bump myth came from this. An unranked, not highly ranked player Alabama offered. So we looked into him, did research, passed it on. And the guy ended up moving up. It wasn't because he's just offered by Bama. It's that Bama drew our attention to him because I work for an Alabama website. Andrew worked for an Alabama website. But Jackson Lloyd, this is a guy 280 pounds around that six foot six um, out there from Caramel or Carmel by the Sea, whichever way you say it. 
But um, he's a guy I don't think the previous staff would have been high on because kind of similar similar to uh, the Freeling kid that went to Georgia a few years ago, a little lighter. They liked him heavier. So I've noticed that. Um, another thing I love about this reminds me a lot of Alabama in the early years, the first decade, because, again, they're offering kids. You know, Sharma, the defensive lineman, he's another one, not highly ranked. Nobody really had paid attention to him. But go watch his film. He's 100%. An absolute dancing bear. So these guys, you go in and look at what they're doing evaluation-wise, they're very confident. And, you know, you kind of suspected that when you looked at Washington, not seeing a lot of top 10 classes at Washington, yet they're in the college football national championship game. They've got guys getting drafted. they got three wide receivers that are going to get drafted. They've got other positions being drafted. So they obviously used the portal, but they also knew about the recruiting evaluations. And look at Noah Carter. You know what I mean? This is a guy's a three-star from Arizona. They had committed, turned out to be Arizona's player of the year. We like him as much at tight end as we do on D de- as as uh we do on defense. So that's the one thing. I think they're very in-depth. And of course, they're gonna be very active recruiting. Yeah, Andrew, it sounds like the next month or so at least is gonna be Juju Lewis watch. Uh is that sort of what we're we're picking up here? The quarterback commitment from SC, the former uh, teammate um, of Caleb Odom, I guess, on the high school level. I think the biggest thing for me as far as quarterback watch is who else is going to get extended an offer because uh, you have three known offers right now uh, since the new staff arrived, and all three of those guys are committed elsewhere. You have uh, George McIntyre who committed to Tennessee. Of course, that offer got extended uh, within a few days um, uh, before he announced his commitment. I think I think that Alabama, the new Alabama staff knew that. And they threw that offer out there knowing that he was going to end up going to Tennessee. But you have two guys that they've been in heavy communication with over the course of the last uh, you know, month, and that's uh, Deuce Knight out of Mississippi who's committed to Notre Dame and then Tutu Lewis. Of course, you had the uh, offense coordinator change, but I don't think that played that big of a role. Somebody asked me the other day, um, you know, if that really kind of ended things with Juju Lewis, and it didn't because he quickly set up a visit. And he's going to be in Tuscaloosa next um, next Friday to meet with uh, Coach DeBoer, who he's already met with, and also Nick Sheridan, the new um, the new offensive coordinator. So, you know, they're going to get Juju on campus. We know that. Are they going to be able to get Deuce Knight on campus, who came out recently and said that he is in contact with Coach DeBoer almost every other day. He's talking to the coaching staff uh, very often, uh, has high interest, lives in Mississippi, uh, in Loosedale, which I made a trip to Loosedale, Mississippi once to go see Alonzo Lawrence, who was a top 100 defensive back uh, from Mississippi, signed with Alabama, ended up, uh, I think he he ended up at Alabama for maybe a semester before he ended up. It was quick. Yeah. Yeah, it was very short in that 2008 recruiting class. So my truck actually broke down in Loosedale. Uh, Sounds like a country music song. You should write a song about that. So that is a trip that I will always remember because it's one time my truck uh, broke down on a, uh, on a recruiting visit. So we'll have to see if I'll go back to, uh, to Loosedale to see Deuce Knight. But those are the two guys right now that we've been following pretty closely. And Deuce has said that there's no visit plans right now, but, we can see that changing. So who else decides – who else do they decide to extend an offer to this spring? Or do they decide to wait a little bit longer and, uh, you know, until the spring evaluation or summer evaluations? See, the problem for me with – I mean, not the problem, but the interesting thing for me 
us for the quarterbacks or the, you know, you look at Charles Powers rankings, the top 10 are committed 16 or 17 or the top 20 are already committed that all those aren't going to hold, right? They're not all, they're not all committing in the day and age of the NIL, basically a year before signing and hold up. So they're going to have to go in and depict their guys in battle. And I do think that's the top thing they want to do is get their quarterback, right? That's the guy they want. They got Austin Mack, who's the only quarterback on campus they recruited. So they've got him. That's an advantage. But you also want to pile up the guys that you like. And that has nothing to do with God. They could have loved Jalen Milrow and Ty and Dylan the same way had they been here. But you want to go get your guys. I do like the Deuce Knight kid a lot as a fit. Maybe it's the left-handed. Um, Penix. Field. Yeah, yeah. You come from Penix. I think Travis says that before I say Phoenix every time. <laughs> That's my that's that's my boy. He's looking out for me, but always. Yeah, I I agree that a quarterback position is going to be interesting. Anything else, guys? Before we get out of here on a Monday morning, did want to mention, man, Alabama baseball, Tim, Alabama softball, both off to undefeated starts. Obviously, the competition is going to ramp up, but that's good to see from Rob Vaughn's first team, and of course, love some Patrick Murphy on the softball side. Continues to do a great job. Otherwise. Anything else, fellas? No, I mean, I do think it's hilarious. The NCAA opens up the recruiting window the same week as spring practice. Oh, geez. They hate college coaches. I am telling you, somebody at the NCAA, whoever says this calendar hates college. They didn't date them in high school. They couldn't be one. They didn't offer their son. For some reason, they hate them because why do you go both at the exact same time? You can't really explain that, Ken. And I do think, in all seriousness, a factor is they can come on campus and watch them practice, which is a huge, huge advantage. But, again, Charlie Potter tweeted this morning, you know, spring practice starts next week, which seems absurd. And then, Andrew, you know, we know the, we know that windows that recruiting window's opening back up. So there wasn't a lot of wet rest for Kalen DeBoer, right? Just finishing off his staff recently. You know, he seems to like it, though. I mean, dude's yeah. like three times, you know, seeking out radio shows to do. Yeah, so, you better you yeah, better I love think, it. You yeah. better love it. You got March Madness coming up. Uh, it's officially March in a couple of days, so we look forward to that. On the basketball front, and Andrew, we look forward to your continued insight and expert analysis for us there at Bama Online. Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff coming out over the, the this next week. Um, got a lot of breakdowns, a lot of interviews. Uh, so go check us out, Bam Online. We'll uh, you know continue to have a lot of nuggets on the uh, on the BOL roundtable uh, as we do every single day. So go check us out at Bama Online. Oh, and thank you too, Tim. I do yes, what I do. Yeah. This is like you've heard of the Jordan rules. This is like the Watts rules. I'm just so good. It's like. Y'all just pass around all this love. I just come in here, score 30, win championships. That's right. That's right. I'm just trying to be Steve Kerr, you know, and maybe if I need to knock dude one down from three. Year, that dude got a two-year, $35 million contract. He deserved it after getting beat up by Jordan in Chicago. Jordan didn't have to do that. Jordan should have finished the job, in my opinion. <laughs> come on, Mike. Do what you, do what you got to do. No. I'm just not a big It was a, a flu game. Kerr. It was a flu practice. I find uh, purse smug. Uh, all right. Andrew, Tim, man, great stuff. And we look forward to more of it right there at Bama Online. So for Andrew Bone, Tim Watts, Jimmy Stein, Travis Schreier, thanking you for joining us right here on the YouTube home for BamaOnline.com. And until next time, so long, everybody.